Top Shelf Fantasy, brought to you by Corey Dows, Tom Craig Penny, and Scotty Milne. Let's get into it, baby. fantasy football uh head over to topshelffantasy.com follow us on twitter instagram and facebook at top shelf fntsy uh can't stress that enough go ahead uh especially if you're new into fantasy football so this is going to be the podcast for you giving you some resources that are going to kind of help you in 2020 go ahead and win that big championship league joined by uh cory craig scott um how, how you boys doing we doing we doing we doing? You guys getting in? stoked for this weekend? Yeah, yeah, yep. Can't wait for the two days from now. I'll be trashed picking players on a dynasty team. <laughs> yeah, so we have uh, we we get a podcast coming up uh, going into our dynasty league. So we're 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 starting intro. Uh, more basic level standard kind of stuff and then we're going to introduce you to our psychopath league uh, which is a salary cap dynasty league um, and then uh, we should also have uh, basically I don't want to say a live stream but we're going to have a podcast of us there um, so yeah so uh, we get started into it um, so if you're joining a fantasy football uh, league um, you know, something that's important to note is, is league sizes, right? So typically it's, it's 10 or 12 teams in a league, uh, you know, more commonly or more, more commonly it's 10 to 12 teams in a league. Sometimes you see 14 teams on, on the high end, eight teams on the low end. Um, but that kind of helps you derive some of the, the rankings that you need from players. Um, and then, you know, what, what to expect typically the winners of the league, um, you know, gambling addicts like like us and in most in the fantasy football community uh, play fantasy football for money. Uh, so the winner ends up with a with a pretty decent prize pool. Um, and then you know if you if you have a league of really hardcore addicts, if you come in last place, you know sometimes there's some punishment uh, associated with that where you have to you know hand out beer uh, to the rest of your league mates entire draft night uh, or what have you. So. Those are just some things to look into and to consider uh, when you're considering is is this league right for me or not? Um, and Scotty, you can go ahead and talk about you know some of the the scoring formats. Right. So there's mainly three scoring formats um, for fantasy. The most common, I think, would be a half point PPR. There's also a full point PPR, and then there's no point PPR, which is mainly uh, called standard scoring league. Um, with a full point PPR, that means every time a player on your t- team um, has a reception, that's one point added to their total for that play. So say a player catches a ball, um, a reception for 10 yards, that's um, two points. One point per reception and then the one point for the 10 yards. So you see it a lot now, a lot of leagues are going full point PPR, but I think the standard right now is of course, no PPR. The most common I would say is a half PPR meet right in the middle kind of thing. Um, so those are the three basic kind of leagues that, um, you would start in. Yeah. yeah and- if you don't mind real quick, if I can hop in, I wanted to mention yep. about the league size. When you hear us talk about deep leagues, we're talking about 14 teams or, you know, some crazy ass league that might have more than that. If you hear us talk about your standard league, it's probably 10 to 12. And then a, a really shallow league would be that sub 10, um, just 
those are the teams. If you hear somebody saying that he's got like DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas and Pat Mahomes all in one team, ask him how many players are in his league because it's probably in uh, an eight-team league or something like that. Um, the super deep leagues, you have guys that are starting on your lineups that are probably barely fringe NFL starters. Just one quick note to add there. Yep. Um, yeah. So, and let's, and, and Craig, why don't we jump into position two, right? Because this kind of, again, goes back to league size because you'll start to notice player position has more importance depending on the depth of your, of your league. If you're at 14 teams, you're not, you know, your two superstars are really the first two rounds. If you're, if there's only eight teams, you know, you might be able to go into the fourth round and still get a superstar. So Craig, why don't you talk about some of the positional importance? Yeah. So exactly that. Um, the, the typical standard lineup is going to have, you're going to have one quarterback to start two running backs. There are different leagues with wide receivers where there's either three wide receivers to start for a week or two. Um, and then you have your tight end and then there's what's called a flex position. A flex position is something that, you know, you're able to play a wide receiver in that spot, a running back in that spot, or a tight end in that spot. Uh, those uh, typically can be found in uh, most, you know, say 12-team leagues. I know a lot of 12-team uh, leagues have kind of adapted the concept of a flex, but prior, you know, before it became more popular, it was in the shallow end type of leagues, you know, with your eight teams, you know, you're going to have more, you know, players on, better players, so that you're going to have a, a flex in there so like i said either gonna have two wide receivers or three wide receivers um and you know the flex kind of gets added in there to have an extra running back if you want it um sometimes there's leagues that have what's called a super flex um and that includes adding in a quarterback uh to that flex spot and that is a pretty important uh type of you know uh, you know caveat to having a super flex is that quarterbacks while they are not as important, um, you know, because there are uh, 12, say 12, just go with 12 teams, you know, you're going to have 12 quarterbacks out there, right? But if you have two running backs to start each week, that's 24 running backs that are going to be throughout the league. So you now have a, a larger amount of players to, to one position that you need to play. Uh, so quarterback is kind of less value, but in a super flex quarterbacks still score the most points so you would want to have a quarterback in that scenario uh in most cases uh you know there's granted going to be about 15 quarterbacks really that are startable in and out uh there's two quarterback leagues you're going to find um you know more or less going to be in that you know 10 manager uh league uh, you know they would do a two quarterback because then that's 20 quarterbacks in the league to start rather than 24 you know it kind of gets into the gray area of starting Derek cars and you know things like that we don't really want to get into um but yeah so mainly the ppr was also brought on uh to help out a little you know give a little point uh you know bump to wide receivers because running back is a very highly coveted position it's very important in fantasy football there's there's few of them now with being the fact that there's 32 teams in the nfl and a lot of them carry two running backs that hold value they're in what's, you know, considered a running back by committee. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but they may not get a ton of points. So finding a workhorse running back, another term we're going to get into, uh, is someone that you're going to want, and there's few of them. That's why running back is a very high-priority position because there's not as many that are going to get you a ton of points. 
I see you failed to talk about the kicker and the defense. Oh, yes. So there's <laughs> introduction to <laughs> because they're not uh, they're they're not important from my perspective. No. But there are leagues where you have to draft a kicker and a team defense, and then Corey, you can probably even talk about what IDP is since you're the <laughs> yeah I do you have an IDP that. league. Um, so yeah, I'll hop in there. I mean, kickers and defense. Now we talk about tiers at every other position, and tiers matter probably more than any other position for kickers and defense because you have your Justin Tuckers who is in a tier alone by himself and then everybody else. And you saw in the years that we still did kickers and defenses that people were jumping to take a Justin Tucker alongside actual, like not starting position players or not star position players, but really serviceable wide receiver twos, threes, because Tucker's dropping 15 to 20 points a week that's a huge bonus add against a position that should probably only be returning you six or seven points every week. Then you have your defenses, and those are really just a crapshoot to see who's going to you know, maybe get a defensive touchdown or a special teams touchdown. If you played in a league that had uh, the Patriots last year, for example, you were probably you know, head over heels with excitement that you picked their defense because they were producing points at a, you know, a QB1 rate, which is pretty uh, astronomical. But they, the leagues out there still exist to do kickers and defense. They're falling by the wayside shortly but they still are out there and then you have your idp leagues which are really just a niche group of people that want to play defensive players idp meaning what individual defensive player so you're picking usually uh most leagues do it do it by position so you'll have a defensive end um maybe a linebacker slash safety and or you know maybe a linebacker and then um a, d- a defensive back of some sort so depends on how your league does it make sure that you understand the rules and the light and the layout of your lineup in those cases uh essentially you're going to get points for tackles points for interception force fumbles sacks so you want to make sure that you're picking players that are going to rack up big sack numbers if they're on your d-line big tackle numbers so usually middle linebackers on maybe teams that get beat pretty regularly are good. I think the Browns linebacking core was killing it for like three years in a row while they weren't winning a lot of games. And then defensive backs, if you can find somebody who's making interceptions and getting and tackles. So usually I go, I go with the safety a lot of the time in my leagues, but uh, something to look out for. Those leagues are, I don't want to say rare, but they're fewer and far between um, than your standard store standard scoring in the leagues that we mostly focus on if for some reason that we're ever mentioning idp something gone something has gone horribly wrong for us because we're not going to be doing an idp league anytime soon and we're not we're and you won't really hear us talking about kickers of defense either um we're all four of us here are participate in leagues that don't have kickers in defense uh it's just really you know it it's not enjoyable to me to go through a, a season and have to worry about kickers or scream, streaming a defense. Like tight end is already aggravating enough. I don't want to have to worry about do I use the you know uh, Jets defense this week against the Cleveland Browns or or Oakland. I don't know. I, I, that's how far removed I am. I don't even think they're good defenses. Um, right. And if I can jump in real quick with that, if we want to just tell people that that's usually like the starter leagues will have a kicker in d- defense. That's the default setting. Yeah. If we have any advice to give to you about that is wait until the last two rounds to draft a kicker in a defense. Cause people will take those early and it's a waste, waste of a spot. So just wait very late to draft those two positions. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Gonna be, they're going to be interchangeable. You're going to, if you're drafting a kicker or a defense, you're also probably dropping them at some point in the season. <laughs> yes. All right, let's 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 move into the meat and potatoes. 
of this. Mm-hmm. So in in that's not to diminish in any way what the scoring format is, what the lineup size is, what players you have to pick. You know, that influences so much, but all the terminology, all the different strategies that we go through should help you bolster what your strategy is based on your scoring format. How many quarterbacks do you need to have? Like Craig had said, two quarterbacks, extremely valuable to have a high-end quarterback when you can start two of them. Uh, but we'll go through some strategies. Um, Corey, we'll, we'll, let's go, let's go back down the line. Although I want something in on, on these running backs here, but why don't you start off, you know, running back by committee versus workhorse bell cow running back. The, the, the unicorn running back as I, as I'll call him in 2020. (laughs) Yeah. Running back by committee. You've seen most teams in the NFL adopt this, unless you're on one of the few teams that has a bell cow back running back by committee being that a handful of guys are going to filter in and out on individual drives on throughout the game. However you want to look at it. Best example of this probably in the NFL is either the Niners or the Patriots. They have guys that come in. They have very, very specific roles. James White catches the ball. Sony Michelle runs it. Rex Burkhead kind of does a little bit of both. And then you've got Brandon Bolden and Damian Harris filling in uh, here and there. Go over to the Niners. Same thing. You got Jeff Wilson, even vulturing some touches on the goal line, Tevin Coleman, Jarek McKinnon, Raheem Mostert, these are guys that are all getting a solid amount of touches in the offense. Makes it so much, so much, so much harder to tell who is going to have the big game each week, which is why a lot of the time you want to target the bell cow backs if you can. Bell cow backs are guys that are almost always on the field. They're getting by far the lion's share of the touches in their offense. Guys like Christian McCaffrey, Ezekiel Elliott, Saquon Barkley. These are guys that are going to have high snap counts, high touch counts, they catch the ball, they run the ball, they block well, they're on the field. These are the guys who you want to target early, early in the first round, as early as you possibly can. But these are also the guys whose handcuffs have the most value because if they go down for any reason, uh, a guy like Dalvin Cook, who I left off this, Dalvin Cook's another one. If he goes down, Alexander Madison is probably the back to own in the NFL. Yeah, that's pretty yep. much covered. The, the two differences yeah and in in let's just stick on this for just a um, bit and talk about you know some teams that we're projecting in 2020 like i i am fully expecting you know okay so for me a bell cow back is is a back who has touched the ball or had about 30 300 opportunities in their offense and i call an opportunity as a target or a carry so if they've been targeted or they they carried the ball in a combination of, of 300 times or more in a season, that to me is is a bell cow. Um, more more on that 250 carry uh, uh, mark. Um, and you know what's 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 hard to see in 2020 is more bell cows than running back by committees, right? It, it just doesn't exist. By that definition, Leonard Fournette is a bell cow back, but they just signed Chris Thompson. So moving into 2020, you've got already another running back by committee team that's out there. And Scotty and Craig, I'm sure that you guys have some opinions on this as well. Yeah, I yeah, mean, I um, no, Craig can go. <laughs> Bad time. No, I, I was just, I was just going to say that they are becoming less and less. And that's why, you know, I was hinting at it. it's, it's a very important and the most important position and why PPR was invented was to boost up wide receivers because running backs were so important. And the, the thing is, is 
they're trying to create an equal playing field with PPR, but running back itself um, is a, is is dwindling as far as what can produce for you for fantasy. That's that's why it, you want a top end RB one as much as you possibly can when you when you're looking in your draft. And uh, you can you can finagle this different ways, right? Because even though the half point came out to to boost wide receivers a bit, there's so many pass catching running backs out there that could touch the ball, uh, you know, carry the ball 120 times a year. But if they have 70 catches, they're almost just as equally as important as their counterpart in that offense. Yeah, absolutely. That's why Christian McCaffrey, if if he were to still lose 100 fantasy points, would still be the running back number one. <laughs> Yeah, and 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 I think so. One of the stats I saw out there was that a pass catching running back, so a target to a a running back, is two point three times more valuable than a carry is to a running back. So like, just let that sink in that a target is almost nearly double the the value as a carry for a running back. So I mean, think about I mean, we think about guys like Naheem Hines, right? Caught the ball, what, 80 times years ago? That's a sneaky little flex play right there. Yeah, I agree. And uh, a little more on the RBBC is we've seen, you know, the rookies in this draft class. A lot of these teams have drafted these high-end rookies, and almost all of them right off the back are going to be running back by committee. J.K. Dobbins, DeAndre Swift, Jonathan Taylor, even Clyde Edwards. They're all going to a team where there's already a running back there. Boom, right away, split carry backfield. So that just makes the bell cow back way more important to to get. Yep. Um, and I'm going to skip the bus breakout elite portion of this real quick and just jump to handcuffs because like Scotty had mentioned, it, you know, it's important to get that bell cow, but it's almost more important that once you identify who that bell cow is, you get that back up. Because Scotty, I know we we you you would put together a whole list of handcuffs that that were really important in the league. But why don't you go through some handcuffs in 2020? People should be looking at. You know, if you get yourself one of these bell cows, you already know who the right. names are. So. Um, <laughs> yeah. So I mean, um, like Dow said, there's a guy like Delvin Cook. He's a bell cow. If he goes down, Alexander Madison's the guy to own. Um, Madison was our number one handcuff last year. I assume he's our number one handcuff coming in the league this year. Um, I think we can all be in agreement with that to, to start. Um, um, a few other ones like Paul Mark. Right, right. All right, Craig, that's a great one. Zeke, if he goes down, we've seen what Tony Pollard did last year in some games, and he's a polished running back that can produce as a top 10 running back if and when Zeke does go down. So if you're drafting these bell cow backs, you need to make sure to get their handcuffs later in the draft. Um, you do not want to miss out on those. Um, Mark Ingram, if he goes down, J.K. Dobbins can take over that backfield. Um, I, I don't know if you guys have any more off the top of your head, but those are like, I think, the top three ones I can think of. Well, I will th- say, I, I just want to point out, too, that, like, Yes, we're, we're putting a lot of emphasis on handcuff, but don't be the guy and, and don't be the player that goes, oh, well, here it is in the eighth round. Alex Man- Alexander Madison is available, and I don't have Delvin Cook, but I want Madison. Now, yes, he's going to have standalone value, meaning he'll be able to produce fantasy points himself, but 
you, you're not going to want to load up your team on a bunch of handcuffs just from the suggestion that, you know, they're very important. They're more important to the teams that do have that uh, bell cow later in the year maybe towards after, say, the trade deadline, that's when you have a bunch of players on your bench you could kind of swap out and try and find those handcuffs, get them on your team, because it doesn't matter about those guys you're never going to play. The handcuff has uh, you know huge upside. Um, but right off in the beginning of the year, you're not going to want to hold the bench spot for a handcuff of a bell cow back on someone else's team. You're just kind of sitting there hoping to trade that guy, and you, you may just hold on to him for four weeks and lose a roster spot. Yeah, and, and, you know, we looked at Damian Williams a couple of years ago. He would have qualified as being, quote-unquote, a bell cow back, right? And that's not really what he is, but one of the importance to handcuffs is that that team's committed to give the ball to one guy. So next guy up, um, you know, and, and if you don't own that guy and that guy doesn't go down, you just wasting an eighth-round draft pick and it doesn't make any sense. Um, I can think of a couple other backfields. Um, if you, for whatever reason, decide that you want to go ahead and draft uh, Darius Geis, um, make sure you get yourself Adrian Peterson. Um, if you have Chris Carson, Carlos Hyde. Uh, watch where Devontae Freeman lands because whoever, <laughs> whatever backfield he lands in, you should probably have him too. Um, so there's a plethora of, I mean, unless he ends up in a situation where clearly he's not getting above that depth chart. But if there's one guy, I mean... I'm not. I'm not telling you to go draft Reggie uh, Bonifone. Is that is that the the backup to Chris McCaffrey? I mean, if Chris McCaffrey yeah. goes down, th- there's no recovering from that. Yeah, it's over. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in the case of of Alexander Madison, Dalvin Cook, they go down. Madison's an RB one. Um, all right, we got a lot of content to go through here, uh, so this might end up being a bit longer. Um, so we're just kind of talking terms. Uh, there are, you know, as you read articles, uh, and one thing that I am is, uh, consume as much information as you possibly can. Uh, and as you do that, you'll start seeing some of, you know, a bust, a breakout, a sleeper trade bait, things like that, though, that, that type of wording you'll start seeing thrown around. Um, and we actually will end up having a podcast dedicated to, to busts, breakouts, sleepers, uh, but usually they're just players that we identify that fit certain categories. So Scotty, Craig, Dow, Scotty, once you take bus, Craig, you can take sleepers. Uh, and Dow's, you can take uh, do the, the one that they don't take. Breakout, I guess. <laughs> Bounce back. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, so um, a bust it is a player who is usually ranked decently high, but in our minds, we think they're going to bust. Um like I think last year, all our busts, you know, it was a miss. But as an example, I thought Jarvis Landry was ranked too high and he could completely bust. This year, um, you can look at a guy like Odell Beckham Jr., who is might be a top 12 to 15 ranked guy, and he could bust completely and not, and not be r- relevant. Um, a guy like David Johnson, he's a bell cow back for Houston, but he's an injury away from being probably the biggest bust of the NFL this season so it's just a guy that that is ranked higher than he probably should and um like tom said we'll we'll name those guys before the season starts kind of like beware when you know when they're on the board you know skip them and go to the next guy yeah they're more labeled as high risk uh as well uh is that they could be on a new team could be um you know in a, in a new situation where maybe they, they don't 
usually typically take on a bell call work and and now they are and you know can they handle it kind of thing those again high risk uh and opposite of that is sleeper um so we we do our homework uh you're gonna get a lot of opinions from a ton of people uh and that's what fantasy football is is, is a ton of opinion um but a lot of it is also trying to forecast what you're gonna see you're gonna see the uh the stuff that we put in and work, we, we look at coaching, we look at uh, opposition of the team that they're going to face that week, their schedule, what, how, how are things going to play out for this specific player? We break it down to who might be drafted later in a, a draft and we consider them as sleepers, labeling it as, you know, someone that a lot of fantasy football, um, you know, managers or, or players are, are sleeping on. Uh, you know, they may not see the the actual the, the potential that the player could be. You could draft them late, and you could end up being a, a, a what should have been a higher, you know, round pick. And so we, we do our best to try and single that out and, and label that as a sleeper, uh, so you 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 can help win yourself a a week. I mean, a league. <laughs> yeah, win the week is important to win in the league, though. Yeah, and one, and one week at a time. And typically we label our sleepers as guys going late in the draft and busts are, are ones being drafted early that, you know, we're expecting to, to really fall uh, production wise. Uh, let's talk about training. So Corey's I'll, I'll let you talk about trade bait. Uh, Cause I got a couple things that I want to say about this yeah. as well, but yeah, I mean, trade bait was something we probably could talk about a little bit when you're talking handcuffs. Those are guys that you might be able to move around a little bit depending on, I don't know. Maybe maybe you got a guy who's a who's a bell cow back who might be with uh, carrying a questionable tag or something like that. That's a little bit of a trade bait, but essentially just a player who has some perceived value at their position. And typically, if you're using them as trade bait, you don't have the need for them. Maybe they're your your fourth wide receiver. They're not going to make you know make the the starting day roster the the, the final Sunday cut uh, when you're setting your lineup. But somebody that you could probably return a good value on. Um, trying to think of a good example of somebody you might be dangling out there on a weekly basis, but it's a guy that's not somebody who's carrying your team. You're not trading elite high caliber players or, or you, you may be, but you, you're not, they're not really trade bait for you. Um, but you know, who was always the best trade bait was Rob Gronkowski because yeah. he would always start off so hot in a premium position as a tight end. There's very few of them. And then all of a sudden, you know, as a Patriots fan, especially we know that he's going to get hurt at some point. But there are people out there that go, oh, I want that number one tight end. That's getting wide receiver one numbers. Well, and to go along perfectly with the Gronk point, for us, you know, I think we've been pretty open. We're up here in New England. We are Patriots fans at heart. But if wherever you're located and whatever your hometown team is or whatever the consensus favorite team is for your group of friends that you've put together this league for, whoever they like is trade bait. If they have, if they're big Packers fans, you're gonna sell them Aaron Rodgers, Aaron Jones, Devontae Adams, any even the role players, AJ Dillon this year. You're gonna sell them at a higher value because they like who they are, and that right. is inherent value that maybe us as fans of different teams don't see, but they want as many Packers on their team as possible. I play in a league with a Cowboys fan, and he goes out of his way to get Cowboys, even even once when uh, Terrence Williams. Was <laughs> like he wasn't even a viable starter. He's going out of his way to try to get him. It's like perfect. That I'll make that deal. Yeah, and and one of one of my my favorite things about trade bait is when you're in the ninth, tenth, eleventh round. If you can identify guys that have a phenomenal starting schedule, like say three four weeks, and you know that they can come out and there's an opportunity to, for them to put up twelve points a game, the perceived value of that player 
is outplaying what you think their end year goal is going to be, right? And um, that right there, it when you're outperforming your perceived value, you are you are now trade bait because it's it's bait for another owner to 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 you, you know you, you you toss the bait out, you get somebody to nibble on it, you reel it in, you've made a trade, and you've made better on something that's going to end up being worse. Uh, yeah, and if you're wrong, then our, that that's just that sucks. Sorry, Tom, <laughs> but when we do our buy low, sell high segments every week, this is identifying trade bait for you. These are guys that we think when we're telling you to sell high, that's your trade bait. Guys who have outperformed on a weekly basis what we think that they should be doing and have a perceived higher value than what it might actually be. So essentially, we're giving you a handful of trade bait guys every single week on on top shelf. Uh, so tune in for that. We'll, that'll be a big help for you if you're trying to, you know, win GM of the year. Um, it well in buy low sell high is actually a really good concept that I don't know if it's in our little show doc to go over, um, but never never buy high and sell low. Let me just <laughs> tell you that much. <laughs> you, you ain't winning leagues there. Um, so I don't know. Um, maybe that, maybe that's something we can save for for another uh, podcast. But it's an interesting. Um, it's I don't want to say it's an interesting. It's a very common practice in fantasy football to identify who has really, really high perceived value and who has really, really low perceived value, right? Um, like I know last year I had Mike Evans and, and Stephon Diggs. They started off very slowly and I couldn't move them for the life of me um, because they had had performed so poorly. Same with Odell Beckham owners last year. You couldn't move them. You, same with A.J. Green. They were these great guys who had good outlooks, um, but they were just so low. So you never want to sell low at the at their lowest point. You always want to sell them high. Um, all right, so maybe too much on that. But um, all right, Craig, I'll let you get into your favorite saying about the draft here. Let's talk draft. Well, I, w- I was gonna say you you can't win, you can lose your your league at the draft. You've said oh, that yeah. a few times. Oh yeah, so no no no. I, I guess I, I'll I, say it. No, this is this is Jesus. Actually, it, it, it'll it'll come up. Think faster, um, man. It'll come up. But the thing is, is we're going to go through a a segment on how important the draft is, right? It it sets up the entire season. What I would want you to do is, is while you're listening to this, just think there's going to be podcasts that we're going to put out where we do mock drafts, where we explain in depth what we're doing at the time that we're doing it. And all of these concepts that we're going to give you are going to be things that are going to be played out in front of you. So as you listen to this, understand that there is more to just giving you the idea of what a draft is and how it can help you and and watch it unfold in practice look at one of our mock drafts in the past we've done one a few weeks ago look what look what's going to end up coming up so just just stay tuned on those things because this will all come full circle when you do that um but yes the beginning part of the draft and and before you even get into that you're going to have to look into players it's called scouting um you know you need to look at what you're going to see is what you value as a sleeper or a breakout or a bust and, and, and get your players down, look at what round they're going to go in and then have an idea before going into the draft, what player you want, what position you want and what round you're going to get them in. Cause that's always going to help your value. And like you did say, yes, it is. It is very important. You aren't going to win your league based off of the first couple rounds, there's going to be players, right? There's going to be a ton of players that are going to help your team, but you can absolutely lose your league within the first two rounds. You can take those huge high risk players and bust 
like Todd Gurley is always going to be a risk from here on out. And if you're taking Todd Gurley and David Johnson in the first two rounds, guess what, man? You're probably going to end up losing your league because one of those two guys is going to fall off. Um, so, you know, it's just very important to to label your guys, play it safe in the first two rounds, get what value comes to you at what pick you have. Yeah. Um, and, and it, it, you know, we it was funny. We did a mock draft, and we had, you know, we had somebody go and take David Johnson. I don't know what the third round before they took Todd Gurley. And it's like, listen, the risk that David Johnson is going to be, you know, outside the top 20 is far higher than the risk of Todd Gurley being outside the top 20. Right. So there's also like a risk reward thing there, but I mean, you can't, you cannot put yourself in a position where you're already going to be in the hole. Right. I started last year with, uh, Mike Evans and Stephon Diggs, they both started off slow, and it was very, very hard for me to come back from that um, because both of them were at their lowest value, right? It is very hard. I mean, I I have I went away from typically what I do, but I'm fine taking one to two high risk guys. You know, one maybe earlier in the in the draft, one later in the draft. That are it's high risk, high reward. You cannot do that in the first two rounds. You have to take the value that's there. And consistency means a ton uh, in fantasy football. Um, so I don't know. I, I mean, maybe now's something to talk about consistency, Scotty. I don't know if there's a couple of guys that maybe the first, second round that, you know, we, we besides the Christian McCaffrey's and the Michael Thomas's of the world, uh, maybe there's a couple guys that we want to talk about from a draft perspective because, you know, you, you, you're not going to win at the draft, but you can lose at it. Right. I mean, um, are you saying like players that you might pick and that might destroy your draft? Yeah, we can, we can talk about that. We can talk about the yeah, negative I mean, of it. We can talk about the positive yeah, of so, it. Um, I brought this player before and, and a guy like, you know, Odell Beckham, if you're taking this guy in the second round, that might lose you the draft where you can take a guy like um, Amari Cooper or Mike Evans or even a Chris Godwin early in the second round. Um, like you said, don't, don't get too cute in the first couple rounds, pretty much take the next best player on your cheat sheet. Say there's a Juju Smith Schuster, wait until the third or fourth round where he should be going. Don't reach for him in the second round because you think he might bounce back. You can still get this guy where he should be drafted. So my perspective is just take the best player available at your position. Yeah, like to kind of build on that, like you want to take, say, say you have a high pick, and your options are Chris, uh, Chris Godwin, Michael Thomas, Julio Jones, Cooper Cup, DeAndre Hopkins. Just you know, reading off the top wide receivers last year, those are all good picks. Those are guys who have proven to be consistent year over year. Um, they've got talent. They're in good offenses. They have a good target share. Don't get fancy and take Devonte Parker because he had a big year last year. He did it one year. I know he looked good. I think he's going to be good in the future. But don't be the one who takes that risk unnecessarily. Let that risk fall to the guy who's drafting at, you know, maybe pick one fourteen or two, you know, two ten. You know, that's not a risk to be taking at one oh four. That's not that's not a burden you want to bear. You're not the one who nobody's gonna look at you and be like, Oh, that was such a smart move. You took Devontae Parker one oh four and it really worked out for you. They're just gonna be like, Well, that was stupid that you didn't take Michael Thomas. You could have had him. If All you're right, passing up Michael Thomas, I'm gonna slap you. <laughs> let me know your address. I'll bring you a top shelf glass. I'm going to smack you in the face. <laughs> so, 
so getting into and, and, and staying with just the beginning part of the draft as well, right? We are a huge proponent, us at Top Shelf, at a lot of a lot of other places too. Stick with your running backs and wide receivers in the beginning parts of drafts. You're going to be able to find a ton of value at the quarterback and tight end position later on. Don't just because you like Pat Mahomes, don't go and draft Pat Mahomes in the second round. Just because you like Lamar Jackson, don't go do it. You're gonna you're going to thank us later that you're going to be able to get a Dak Prescott in the eighth round who might be quarterback three versus Pat Mahomes in the second round when you just passed up uh, a good running back, say like Josh Jacobs or something like that. I, I don't know exactly how the ADP is falling out this year, um, but we will we'll preach that to you. Um, and, and that is that brings up another topic, which is ADP, which is average draft position. You're going to see in all the fantasy football sites that average draft position uh, it, you know, you're going to have a player. They're going to tell you, we think they're going to get drafted in the second round. This is based off a ton of experts, put a lot of information out there. We think this player is going to get drafted in the third, fourth, fifth, whatever. There's times that you're going to reach on a guy that he may have an ADP of five, but you have him uh, ranked for yourself as a round four. But don't take that guy that's in the fifth round and go to the first and, and see if there's a guy that's falling. Um, that's sometimes when you can get great value is someone who has an ADP of say round two and you're round four, he may have high risk, but maybe at that time, it's, you know, time to start looking at some risk. You know, a guy that could go in the second round that, that ADP is going to really help you build your value could come trade bait, you know, things like that. Well, and I, I think one of the, the best things about ADP too is, you know, you can play the ADP game, right. And especially on the turn of a draft, and, and basically what I mean by that is if you're at the beginning, if you have picks one, two, or three, or picks, you know, um, let's say it's 10-team league, you got, you're got you you're at 8, 9, and 10, you can play the ADP game and say, listen, I can take this player now and wait, you know, three or four picks because the perceived value of this player at the draft is lower, even though I have him ranked higher, right? So you can play that game and say, okay, well, because because this player's ADP looks like it's in the third round, even though I, I'm projecting him to return second round value, you take the value in the second round, and then you just wait for that player at, at round three. So knowing ADP actually helps you identify the right time and the right value to, to make those picks, right? Because if you're taking a guy four rounds ahead of their ADP, you've messed up. Like, that, that's just plain wrong. Um, so we'll, we'll keep talking ADP, but, but along those points is mock drafts, right? That, that gives you the practice of drafting. Uh, and that's where the ADP data comes from is from actual mock drafts. Um, so Corey, I think we've probably all done what, like 10 mock drafts already. Like I've done three or four of them by myself, <laughs> just yeah, going I mean, done, into the I mean, year. Yeah, I've done three or four, well, like with you guys that we've posted online for everybody to view. And then, uh, yeah, maybe a handful more on my own just to kind of see where people are falling out. Once, once uh sleeper kind of figured out that how to get rid of Antonio Brown and some of the sillier picks, I, I've been using it a little bit more. So mock drafts, like we, we've all harped on it, but it's because they work, like do your mock drafts, get a feel for where people are going, get an idea of what other human beings are thinking, get an idea of what the computers are thinking and figure out, where these players are going to fall because if you know that and you're armed with that information and some of your league mates aren't you have an immediate leg up absolutely okay yeah um you want to move on to just a quick overview of different kinds of drafts that there might be that you might get yourself involved in 
the uh, auctions. The the auction leagues or the keeper leagues. I think let's keep Most, it. Yeah, most likely if you're listening or your in- introduction to fantasy football, you're not in an auction league. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, just like any other auction you've seen in real life, you know, you're going to put up a number and get a player. Yeah, I, I would just want to mention quickly, auction is the one format that you're probably not relying on ADP as heavily. You can still use it as a ballpark for how to uh, assess, or, you know, to, to attribute a value to a player because you're bidding essentially a dollar amount against a cap. But auctions probably a little bit less reliant on ADP than a normal standard snake draft or even a fixed draft for that matter. Yeah, auctions auctions get a little bit. That that's the that's a, the fun getting to bid players up. But we can actually our dynasty leagues in auctions, so we talk a little bit about uh, we'll we'll talk a little bit about that um, on our next podcast. I don't know. Do we need to say anything else? I know we had a note about tiers. Do we want to talk about tiers? real quick oh, uh yeah. when we're assessing players yeah yeah let's so Daz, why don't we talk about tiers for a bit yeah um again assessing players adp probably helps inform tiers but when we talk about tiers we're talking about groupings of players and how the how we either project them to finish or how they have finished in the past against the rest of the league so you take michael thomas last year i think he put up 300 fantasy points at wide receiver and the next highest wide receiver put up what it was chris god when he put up like 233 so if you're looking for a tier break there's your tier number one break against your tier number two it's saying that michael thomas is in a league of his own and chris godwin starts the second tier of players at, at the wide receiver position same way that lamar is in his own tier at quarterback and christian McCaffrey is in their own tier at running back now when you can effectively group players into tiers and you can see that you have a higher tier available at running back or higher at wide receiver it helps inform what position you can pick because you're not just picking just to fill out a roster you're picking to fill out a roster at the best possible value so again identifying tier breaks where you're seeing a a significant drop off in point production by a player allows you to make the most informed decision for not only what your team needs but what's going to be most uh helpful for your team down down the road if you're again if you're drafting a wide receiver who's in you know the 100 to 120 point range over a running back who's only going to produce you 70 points on the year you've done a great job by making the wide receiver pick versus picking a running back who even if he was going to play you know a flex position for you you lost yourself 50 points on the year that that could be make or break for a championship run yeah i think that mostly hits on a lot of the uh tier breaks there yeah, well, and and it's just it's just it, being able to say, okay, you know what, I only have I, I have this pool of wide receivers available to me. I'm identifying them all as tier three wide receiver wide receivers. The highest wide receiver in tier three to the lowest wide receiver in tier three. If that difference is 25 points, there that all of those players should have the same exact value. That's why when you can identify what that break is you can say I'm losing a significant piece of value. And what I think tiers really help you understand is how to look cross-positionally. So there's correlation that as, you know, there there's a drastic decrease from tier one and two of running backs to the tier three of running backs. There's not as drastic of a, of a decrease from tier one, two, and three wide receivers to tier four. So what you'll see is, You'll see the 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 and we I can plot this out actually. I've done it a couple times. I can do it for 2020. 
but you'll see the running backs and you can actually see in data points where the tier break is for the running backs and the tier break for the wide receivers remain a little bit even. So it helps you identify like, okay, listen, you know what? I got to pivot off of running back because I'm just losing value. Because when you're drafting just to draft a position, sometimes you're getting yourself in, in a hard spot, right? If you're faced there with Sony Michelle or T.Y. Hilton, if you don't take T.Y. Hilton, let me know your address. I'll show up with the TSF glass and <laughs> slap you in the face. <laughs> um, that's how that's how I love to use tears anyway. Um, Craig, Scotty, I know that you guys are, are awfully quiet. We're all remote and you two are just like hanging back. But if you got anything that you want to say about tears, just jump on in. No, you know, I think you covered the tears. Um, I, I'd like to talk strategy. Scotty, right. what's your favorite strategy? Um, I mean, my favorite strategy to go with um, out of the ones we have listed here is probably running back, running back. That means in my first two rounds, I'm picking two running backs. I mean, it also depends where you're drafting and who falls to you then. But in my mind, that's the safest pick. Uh, if not, I'll go running back, wide receiver. Um, but I know there's another strategy that which is uh, zero running back. But um, I've right. done that once. Did, did. did it work out? So it didn't because <laughs> like running backs, like we talked about are so, um, you know, important. Uh, I, I ended up having like Jordan Howard when he was like poor with Chicago at the end. And then there was, there's just a few just slag, slag, slacking <laughs> running backs that they ended up playing each week, like some Tampa Bay running back that didn't really want to play and um, got, had a lot of good wide receivers, but when we talk strategy, we're talking like, you know, top down first round, second round, third round. So like I went four rounds in a row wide receiver. Great. I had great wide receivers, but I had started like Doug Martin and things like that. Sometimes it was, it was not that great. I, I would no not recommend, I would not recommend a zero RB strategy, but people do it. Some people get away with it. Um, I like the quarterback wide receiver stack. Uh, that helps out a lot. I know Dows is a big guy on quarterback wide receiver stack. So that's when you get like a, say, you know, a, a top quarterback of Dak Prescott and their top wide receiver, Amari Cooper, you're getting double the points every week. So, yeah, I, I want to jump in on the zero RB because I actually won a championship under that ruling. I ended up with Michael Thomas, Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown on my team. And I made yeah, a trade to I, go and get myself. Huh? I was just going to say, I remember that draft and that felt like just fell into your lap. Right. Well, and that's kind of where like, you, you know, at, at some point in time, you kind of have to let the draft come to you. And that fell into my lap. It was by complete luck, you know, and I don't want to say complete luck. I mean, that that core wide receivers was going to destroy it that year. Um, but I, I ended up making a trade and getting myself a running back. Had that not happened, I would have been playing revolving door running back. You want to play revolving door tight end, not revolving door running back. So zero wide receiver strategy can work, but it has to work correctly. You cannot go into a draft and say, I'm going zero running back and I'm drafting all wide receivers. You can only do that when it makes sense to do that. Do not force yourself to say, yeah, I'll get running backs later. Don't do that. Only if you can get in the first three rounds, Michael Thomas, Antonio Brown, and Odell Beckham, will I approve skipping out on getting, not getting two running backs in the first three rounds. 
Yeah, so I uh, I, I mocked it out for last year based on average uh, average draft position. And if you had gone with zero running back strategy this year, you could have ended up with the like, depending on your draft spot, you know, obviously, you could have ended up with some combination of Mike Evans, Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, Chris Godwin, Julian Edelman, Calvin Ridley, Jarvis Landry, Debo Samuel, and more, followed by not having to draft a running back until round five, where Miles Sanders, Austin Eckler, James White, Carlos Hyde, Sony Michelle, and Adrian Peterson were all still available. Not to mention a lot of leagues still have Pat Mahomes available. So if you could have put together some combination of those guys, you're probably in the conversation for at least the playoffs, if not a solid deep push. Uh, okay, so my feelings for Mike Evans are widely known. It is the most inflated wide receiver 12 finish I think we've ever seen. He had three games where he scored over 10 points. So this is where I go into consistency that, career. you know, it, we, where yes, these guys all finished great. But, it, you know, I'm not going to rely that Melvin, that, that uh, starting running back is going to hold out that a rookie's going to perform as well as he did. I mean, you can bank on it, and it can work, because what the, those guys that Corey just named off, if you could have gotten a combination of them and filled out a roster, good chance you're in the playoffs. I mean, that's a very, very strong group of people. Um, well, yeah, and then part of the reason that Austin Eckler was even available past round five is because they were dealing with the, the Melvin Gordon holdout. But, yeah, I mean, like you said, Mike Evans, volatile as, as all heck. But You can say hell, can it's have. okay. It's, we're, we moved up to PG thirteen. It's it's fine. Shit. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> okay. Calm down, Scotty. Well, no. <laughs> um, and I I think this is just gonna be a a, a trend that you hear us say, like hammer running backs, hammer wide receivers, screw quarterbacks. Go pick up Ryan Fitzmagic because he's the man. You know, he might not yeah. be a starting quarterback, so don't do that. A lot of the time is let the draft come to you. So you can go in with one of these plans and you're probably not going to walk away with that plan. Yeah. Yeah. I'd oh, say more it, often than not, I end up going yeah. running back wide receiver just based on who comes to me. Yeah. Right. You can go into the total, total strategy and then come out totally different. Yeah. Hate it, yourself, hate your team. And then somehow your team's actually good. And well, and that's why you you like your team. Your team's not going to do well. If you hate your team at the draft, you've done something you, right. You're going to yeah, work. Out. <laughs> <You're golden. laughs> I, I mean and this is why going in and prepared i think is huge but yeah and 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 mind you there are nine positions to start typically or no excuse me eight without the, the two flex all right that was that's our dynasty league but there's eight positions you're going to start each week so make sure you fill out all those players and then have depth at the end you know you, you don't don't just fill up with eight running backs and then try and trade them with only three wide receivers on your team that's what i do works Every time. Draft also, all if you the play in a backs. single quarterback <laughs> league, don't draft a second quarterback. Or really don't even draft a quarterback, but don't certainly don't draft two quarterbacks and then think that you're going to dangle one. I did that one year. I think I had Aaron Rodgers and Drew Brees, and I thought that I was going to move Drew Brees for this huge return. I don't even know if I ended up trading him. I think he just sat on it my never bed and him one bye week. It just, it's not worth it. It's a, I think I spent way too high a capital taking Drew Brees, maybe like an 11th or 12th round pick. Didn't need him, didn't play him, could have had you know, another filler piece for if an injury occurred or something. Yeah. I quarterbacks are such a, I don't want to say disposable. Um, piece, you can stream but, quarterbacks, which streaming means you can kind of pick up and drop one as you go through the year. You know, you can look at the matchups and then, then pick up and stream quarterbacks sometimes better than having, you know, a, a top 10 quarterback. You, well, yeah. I mean, and if, if, if you only got 10 teams in your league, that means that, 
there's 12 rostered quarterbacks. I mean, listen, I'm a I'm a big proponent for getting rid of kickers, defenses. I'm coming after probably tight ends next and then quarterbacks. So. And this is me. It's Ten just... running back to start and sixteen. <laughs> yeah, if, if John had it his way, it's a running back only league. I'll, I'll be fine with that. You know, I'll give I'll give Dows a couple linebackers to draft. <laughs> we should uh, start that actually, just, <laughs> just to try IDP and RBs, and that's it. Uh, I would love that. <laughs> um, okay, well, I guess that's kind of some draft strategy. Is there anything else that we need to talk about the draft? How we approach it, prepare a lot, do a lot of mock drafts, listen to Top Shelf Fantasy at topshelffantasy.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Top Shelf Fantasy. Yeah, yeah honestly, though, listen to Top Shelf Fantasy as we get closer because we're going to do a ton of that legwork for you. We're going to identify the sleepers. We're going to identify, you know, our entire list of uh, players in order of how we think they should go. Like our, our rankings are going to be all inclusive, all encompassing, you know, all the work that we put in to win our leagues almost on a yearly basis. <laughs> that sounded cocky was supposed to be very very our... cocky yeah, it's, it's all right well, at least three at least three of us anyway hey, yeah i mean stop exactly. stop <laughs> stop this is why we talk about bragging rights stop <laughs> and, and again that's what it boils down to you're going to do your research for one with one goal in mind and that is embarrassing and emasculating your friends it's fun and uh, you know the what? most enjoyable part of fantasy football minus the money that comes along with it if you're in a degenerate league yeah. and if you're lazy just listen to us take our advice and humiliate your friends anyway yeah you know? and you can sit there and be like i didn't even do any research i just listened to the top shelf guys I'll, somehow i'll argue that leonard fournette still busted last year somehow <laughs> um well, you only Moving scored four on. touchdowns and, and yeah, he caught we'll 70 the, passes they're gonna go to chris thompson what, what but happens <clears> after the draft? <clears throat> Yeah, we get into the post-draft stuff. Um, yeah, we got to get into post-draft stuff. This is going to be a little bit longer. We kind of already knew that going into this, that we were going to be uh, a bit longer. Um, but, uh, you know, we said it. Craig, Craig, repeat your famous words if you're thinking fast enough. Uh, yeah, so, draft? so you can't kidding, win. Yeah, you're not going to oh, say oh, it now, okay. you're gonna, All right. Yeah, you, you can't win your league at the draft, but you can lose your league. Yeah, they, they, that was a good 30 seconds of dead crap air. Appreciate it. Um, but moving on, though. I did that for you. Into post-draft, though. You can also lose your league as soon as you draft and in between before games even played. If you're not monitoring to see what's happening happening in training camp and you know your guy goes down with a torn ACL – and he's out for the year. If you don't immediately go replace that guy, I'm thinking like a Lamar Miller this year who tore his ACL in what preseason week one. If you're not ready to go pick a guy up and you think you're just going to sit there and wait for regular season week one to roll around, you're going to be good to go with your team. You're four weeks behind, bud. You already messed up because you should be looking every single, first of all, you should have notifications on your phone. Lamar Miller goes down. You need to know it immediately. On top of that, you're going to want to track him as he progresses through the different injury designations that you may or may not be familiar with. If you see an A next to him for active, good, he's playing. If you see P, start to worry. Probable means he's probably going to play, but monitor him closely. Questionable, 50-50 shot. Now, as soon as you see Lamar Miller go down on the field, he probably gets immediately changed to questionable. Well, like, didn't didn't they get rid of the probable tag in the NFL? They did. Yes. Yeah. So they, you so should the NFL see did, but you'll still see it on your apps if you use ESPN Sleeper. I think still has it. I'm not sure if Yahoo still carries it. 
but the NFL got rid of it. Listen. But you you will still see it. Yahoo, ESPN, topshelffantasy.com. That's all you need now. Exactly. <laughs> you just keep pushing that. But questionable, 50-50 shot. Doubtful is where you probably see Lamar Miller after he goes down, maybe like three days after he goes down with his ACL. You see <laughs> doubtful, he's getting examined by a professional. He's unlikely to play until they get the actual confirmation that it's a full tear and he's done. And then you'll see him as out and probably IR, which is injured reserve. Um, some leagues have IR spots. I know our dynasty league has two. I think we did away with it in the red dog league because people were abusing it. So watch out for that. Make sure you don't have any scumbags in your league that are stashing additional players on IR. I think I was guilty of that. Um, scumbag. But yeah, I mean, you know, one, if, I, if there's one, not a rule against it, that's another thing. Look for exploits in the rules. If there's not a rule against it, do it. One you thing, shouldn't uh, have rules to be exploited in fantasy football. I'm just going to throw thing, that out there. One thing to note this year, especially with IR, is they've added another player that a team can bring back after they've been designated on IR. Um, originally, it used to be that, you know, a team, an NFL team, not just fantasy football here, uh, the real life player could come back and the team could only bring back one. Now, it, I think it was two years ago, they said now you could bring back two. Now, this past season, uh, another rule was passed where you can bring back three. So, though, even though the player may be on IR in real life, you can move them on your IR spot if the if your league allows it. And, and just pay attention to that because I think that there's going to be a lot more players this year that are going to be on IR and then they can be brought back. So hold on to those players. The other thing, too, is you have an empty bench spot. Look at the guys that are on IR in your free agent pool or on waivers and say, hey, I have an open IR spot. Let's bring him in. Let's bring in another player. You get a two for one. Yeah, see, generally I hate the IR spot for that exact reason. I want people to have skin in the game. If you're going to hold them, you're not holding them for free uh, in my league. Um, but some leagues might have it. Um, I, and, and, and honestly, it's one of the reasons why is because NFL continues to allow the teams to carry guys on IR and not shut them down for the year that I hate the IR spot. I know you feel the same way. Yeah. I don't like it. Just, I don't like it. That's all he's got. (laughs) Um, (laughs) All right, Scotty, when, let, let's talk about waivers because we instituted this into our redraft league uh, last year, and I thought it was I thought it was a great idea. I ended up not liking it, but waivers are done in a couple different ways in, in leagues. Yeah, so um, the typical waiver wire is usually when a player is dropped from a team, they're on the waivers for two days. That means everyone in the league can, you know, has the chance to either put in a waiver claim for that that set player and someone wins that claim. Also, um, usually after a game day Sunday, all players are on waivers, which which gives everyone in the league a chance to grab that player for next week. What we um, did last year in our league was a daily waiver. So every single day, every free agent is a waiver player. This helps the people that don't have have a computer job because pretty much if, if there's a free agent out there and some player gets hurt during practice, you can go right to your computer, pick up that backup and boom, you're golden to have a waiver every single day. It gives every single person in the league a chance to evaluate what happened during that day, set a waiver claim on a player and then 
one person in the league will win that waiver. What we do is um, it's called a FAB. It's a free agent acquisition budget. Every player, every person in the league has a $100 fake FAB budget. So say I want to pick up someone week one that's on waivers. I might spend 10, maybe 20 bucks if I think he's going to, you know, help me out throughout the year. Or if it's a guy you want to, you know, throw a dart on um, for a bye week, you might spend one or two bucks. You need to spend this, you know, pretty smartly because you do want to have money at the end of the year, but you also don't want to carry too much and waste all that money. There's some weeks that you might see a player, um, I think it happened last year, maybe um, the Colts running back, someone would spend 50% of their fab budget just to get that guy. Might work out, might not work out, but that's the way that we do our league as a fab budget. Um, I don't know if you want to talk about the traditional way that um, leagues do it, Tom. Yeah, I mean, in traditional leagues, basically, you're you're ordered, you're you're given a number in reverse order of the draft. So if I had pick one, I have waiver ten in a ten team league. If you're, you had the tenth pick in that league, you'd have the first waiver. Then it just goes by, you know, whoever's got the lowest number. Um, you know, everybody would put their bid in and say, "Hey, I want this guy," and then whoever had the lowest number would win that bid, and that person will move to the back of the line. Um, personally, you know, it, it, it's an easy concept to grasp your head around. I think fab is much better, um, giving, uh, you know, a, a, a budget of fake dollars to basically do a silent auction on players, uh, is great because you can every single week control what players you, you can and cannot get based on those dollars. I've always been a big proponent in fab. And if you're in a fab league, spend more money at the beginning of the year spend little in the middle of the year and then spend the rest of it towards the end of the year. Um, you know, you get, you get, I, I used to do this analysis of, of how many fantasy points per fad dollar you spent on a player. And it was just to show that I, you could have gotten a, a mid range, like, like a Naheem Hines. I, I'll just pick his name out again for 10 bucks. But, because he played the, you know, you had him on your team for 16 weeks. He's more valuable than the guy you spent $50 on and only had him for, for two weeks, like <clears throat> Ty Johnson. <coughs> Ty Johnson. <coughs> Ty Johnson. I don't think Dallas can hear me. I hear you. I was hoping you are just going to actually cough and then move on. Yeah, 50, 50 no. bucks on Ty Johnson. I whatever. I baited all of you guys. I was like, yeah, hey, you shouldn't do more like twenty on him. And, I, and, it, and it, you baited yourself. It, yeah. it and and it does happen, right? It and it does happen, and that is one of the reasons that I like Fab is because you can make mistakes, and we all will, but you can still rebound from it. Um, so. Anyway, I think as you kind of get into your fantasy football career, look into look into Fab a little bit and. A lot of like, so we do weekly to uh, by we we do two podcasts a week, probably yes. three coming up, whatever. Um, and, and we always have segments where we talk about pickups of the week and we actually assign fab dollars to them. So if you're in a fab league and you're brand new to it, we'll help you identify how much to spend on each of those players. Um, all right, I don't know. Do we do we want to get into volatility, deviation, regression? 
in outliers. I think we could maybe not get super deep into it, but just give a quick. Uh, I mean, we've talked about volatility and deviation a little bit already, but just a quick overview. Um, you want to take that away, Tom? I know you like talking stats. Yeah, I, one of the things that I used to really get into, uh, and I, I've gotten away from it a bit it, from putting an actual hard copy of this out there, but was looking at uh, players' volatility over time uh, and deviations from norms, right? So those of you um, uh, statistical nerds out there, this is just uh, nor, uh, what the, the, the normalized distribution of a player's uh, fantasy points. And this is where consistency comes into play, that I'm going to value a player who has a better consistency than a player who is highly volatile. Um, We talk about tiers. We talk about understanding what your team is. If you end up drafting a lot of players who have a high volatility, and, and what I mean by a high volatility is they can go out and score 45 points one week or five the next. That kind of range is way too big for you to predict what's going to happen. But if you can predict, I'm getting 22 to 18 points from this player, consistency every single week, I'm going to value that player, you know, a a little bit more than the player who's got the upside to go hit 55 once and then score under eight for the rest of the season. That to me, that consistency is far more important, even though maybe that player at the end of the year finishes, you know, running back 10. I'll I'll take my guy at running back 11 and know that every single week I'm getting the same amount of production. That's where volatility deviation comes in. It's it's something that I really want to get up onto the website, but we haven't really built a, a concrete algorithm for us to go ahead and, and throw out there. But it helps you identify who those players are. Um, and really, the best way I do I do it is I look at their weekly um, I look at their weekly stats. And then I usually remove outliers. I'll look at them and say, okay, listen, their average is 15. You know, they had one week where they scored 45. They had one week where they scored two. I'll take both those points out, find the new average and say, okay, their average now is 10. You know, you can see how those those two games coming out changes what the average is and then find the deviation from there. So I just talked a lot about statistics, and it's kind of boring, I think, if you don't have numbers in front of you. But, um, Well, here's some more boring stuff for you. Regression. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, for a long time, I wanted to do a whole podcast on regression. I think maybe we will get there. It'll be a completely stats-geared conversation. Um, but high-level, just overview of regression, because you will hear us talk about it at some point on various uh, Top Shelf Fantasy podcasts. Everybody in the world thinks that regression is just negative colloquially if you say somebody regressed you assume that they got worse but there is or are both positive and negative regression that's important to remember there is a mean value and tom talked about a mean value when he talks about volatility and deviation because when you deviate from your mean output of points you've gone either higher or lower from what your average is that we can expect out of you now there are players who have performed consistently along a a mean for their whole careers and then either overperformed for an entire season or underperformed. Now guys, for example, and I highlighted my, my good friend, Ryan Tannehill, uh, he is probably one of the premier candidates for negative regression this year. I love him. I hope he does fantastic. I hope he has a great season and proves me wrong, but his whole career has been X and last year it was X plus a hundred. So, 
these are guys who we think that we know who they are. We see them have big years, but they become candidates for regression. Again, Tannehill, negative regression. There will be guys that are due for positive regression. I think uh, Odell Beckham is probably a candidate for that. We talked about him maybe underperforming last year, maybe another year in the offense, a little more familiarity with Baker Mayfield. We know what he can do. We've seen him be an elite pass catcher. He was not that last year. I think he still ended up finishing what wide receiver like 20, something like that. So he's probably a candidate for positive regression. Yeah, regression no. in and of itself, though, is just it, it's just a, a useful term to refer to people that you expect to perform either differently or I guess you could use it for the same, but uh, saying well, they're not a candidate for regression. It, it's 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 really regression to the norm, right? Mm. And 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 whether you're below that norm or above that norm, it's just regression back towards that. Uh, you know, coming back down to earth if you're overperforming. You know, something like Devontae Parker, I think, is going to be a, a regression candidate mm. negatively. Uh, you know, you can on, the, on the quarterback side, Carson Wentz going to be a positive, you know, so that shotgun bound looking real good. And then I was gonna say, you can have a week to week regression, but more or less for that, we don't really refer to it as regression. Regression's more of a large data set term. You don't want to apply it to short term stuff because it's not as reliable. If you're looking for a reliable body of work, you're probably looking for a player that's been in the league for multiple seasons, has a solid body of work, a, a you know, a large number of games under their belt. It's not really good to apply regression statistics to a rookie who's played three games. It's not a week to week statistic, it, or at least it's not a well, reliable week to week statistic. And statistics in football are incredibly difficult. We're probably spending more time. I feel like Craig and Scotty are falling asleep over here. But when it comes to <laughs> statistics and regression, like you need to have a certain number of events. That's why, like, sabermetrics in baseball is widely popular because there's so many different events that occur in 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 uh in baseball but we don't have always have those so we have to make some educated guesses and some assumptions uh when we start talking regression but we we talk that throughout the season to help you identify some of those players so before craig and scotty's faces hit the keyboards uh and they're not here for for when we uh close out the show i don't know do we have anything else we need to say Fantasy 101. I mean, this is probably the most advanced Fantasy 101 podcast yeah, you're we, ever going to get. We've gotten to like a few, few past 101 a few times. We, if you were invited to a fantasy football league, maybe you don't want to do one. <laughs> Not with us, anyway. <laughs> no, you want to do it. No, I, I love it. It's great. I mean, if you're a football fan, you should be playing fantasy football anyway. I mean, it makes watching games on Sunday a lot more fun. Um, just crapping on your friends week in week out yeah you're, you're rooting for players you wouldn't normally root for like there's there's jerseys that i want to get now because of playing fantasy football just outside of being you know my own oh, home, hometown fan yeah philip Lindsay guy yeah you guys are crazy, right? <laughs> he's, he's uh not up there <laughs> tyler <Anymore>. lockett <laughs> tyler lockett would be a nice one i would like that yeah i like this fox one Okay, you guys want to call that a podcast? I think yeah, so. I think the last, last thing is playoffs. What's that? So the last thing is playoffs. You know, you just got to, you know. Oh, you win, baby, win, as Al Davis win, would say. Win, baby, win. There you yeah. go. There, There is no second place in fantasy football. I mean, the, you you can come in second, but I don't acknowledge you as There's a There's a last. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there, uh, there's a last, right, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so... 
we've got our dynasty league coming up, which I highly encourage you to go listen to podcast 68. We give you an overview of what our dynasty league actually is, how complicated it is. And then we actually broadcast the, uh, the, the draft. Is there anything we need coming to say to leading up to live. there? Coming to you Podcast, live, right? but you recorded and posted draft. later. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if we could do like a Facebook Live for the fans. Nah. Hey, fans. We should. <laughs> All our fans will be. My mom's not going to be there, okay? Oh, true. <laughs> um, I got pick 101. I get, so I got three picks. Craig, you have two somehow. Corey's got one all in the first round. Scotty traded out, but he's got two early seconds. Uh, and then anything second. after that doesn't matter. I got a second rounder as well. Okay. 11. Yeah, good for you. I'm taking the best player right yeah. there. Yeah, who's that? I'm, well, I'm actually going to throw in a little cheat code that I've been working on this exploit in the rule book. I'm just going to take my player from position one and move him down to 211. 103 to 211. Nobody's going to see it coming. So, like, listen, <laughs> I'm going to drop CD because, you know, when I had 48 hours and I decided I didn't want it, now I'm going to pick him up again in the second round. For a buck. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, I, that's actually an interesting concept right there. If I drop okay. A player, we're not going into it. this. No, we're wrapping no, this up. This at all. <laughs> Thank you for listening. This is Top Shelf Fantasy. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Top Shelf FNTSY. Head over to our website at topshelffantasy.com. Stay fluid, stay loose. Mm-hmm.